win. He'll come back for the second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the 81 All Out podcast. This is Siddhartha Vaidyanathan at Sidvi on Twitter. And uh, I'm joined again by the regular crew, uh, Mahesh, Ashoka and Karthikeya. Um, they'll link all their Twitter handles. I'm joined by them to talk about the second test of the series between South Africa and India that recently finished in Johannesburg. South Africa won the test by uh, seven wickets. A uh, fantastic win for them. Uh, the first time that uh, they had they have beaten India, the Wanderers. And, um, you know, people are joking, saying that the fortress has fallen. I mean, come on, they're playing at home. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but also, importantly, their first victory uh, in a test against India since, uh, you know, 2018, when they won the two tests, then they lost the Wanderers test, then they lost uh, the home season. When they came to India, they lost quite comprehensively and then they lost at Centurion. So yeah, a big, a big victory for them. Uh, fantastic uh, performances from their bowlers and then Dean Elgar and Rassi van der Dusen, fine chase, chasing 240 in the final innings. Anyway, we'll get to all that soon. Um, quick reminder about uh, Mike Marcus's war minus the shooting. Um, I've been saying this for every podcast, so I think uh, the regular listeners will be used to it by now. But if you're hearing it for the first time, we recently republished a classic cricket book published in 1996. Um, you know, it's available in Amazon.com. Uh, outside India, it's available as a paperback and e-copy on Amazon. Within India, it's available as an e-copy in Amazon. And, uh, you know, the paperback editions you can get from um, the Atagalata bookstore in Bangalore. Uh, you can go to the store, you can write to them, you can tweet to them, they'll ship it to you. I'll put all the details on the notes and uh, we're hoping to have the book on Amazon India pretty soon. So I'll keep you updated about that. Um, yeah, so let's get to this test match. Maybe uh, start off with your thoughts on the match. Uh, I think uh, I'll start off with Mahesh, I think, because he had uh, predicted correctly for the first time in a long time. He had predicted correctly that South Africa could come back in the series. So Mahesh, congratulations. Thank you. Not that it needed any sort of big predictive uh, powers over there. I mean, it was quite obvious that, I mean, they're playing in home conditions and they've got a good bowling line, uh, bowling lineup. In fact, uh, part of the reason why I made the prediction was also my memory of how Olivia bowled against Pakistan before he took the break uh, to go to county and come back. And he turned out to be a very different bowler this time. So, in a way, part one of the factors that I considered was Olivia coming back and bowling uh, pretty much at the same pace, with the same effectiveness and potency and so on. Uh, in fact, I was a little surprised given the kind of start that they had. You know, South Africa on a, on a sort of great wicket to bowl, didn't really bowl well initially and Olivia was bowling too short at that pace. And, and India did get off to a pretty decent start yet again. Uh, but from there on, the, the thing with the, with the wicket like this is, 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 you know, because of its one, the early sort of assistance for the, for the bowlers. And more importantly, because of this, uh, consistent up and down sort of a, uh, a bounce throughout the test. Even when bowlers go through phases where they, they were not right on the mark, they don't get penalized too much and they still can come back and get the opposition out for a relatively small score when, when they get their act together. Uh, which is why it is so difficult to sort of bat on a wicket like this, right? Even, even when it seemed like you could have penalized the bowlers for erring in length, 
it was not easy and and the other thing that um, that we'll get to eventually is is of course at some stage we'll talk about shardul and and all that you've said in the past and and what happened in this test uh but but yeah like i said i'm not surprised by by the fact that it was a close test and it was a close test i mean despite the fact that south africa managed to chase it off pretty easily uh does not negate the fact that it was a close test and it it is it could have been an entirely different sort of uh dynamic had had a couple of things gone one way or the other and so on uh and i expect the third test to be pretty similar as well so so i mean these are evenly matched teams evenly matched primarily because the bowling attacks are evenly matched and when i say bowling attacks are evenly matched it is indian attack in south africa versus south african attack in south africa in that sense they are evenly matched not like in the larger sort of repetition scale and and home sides always tend to recover faster from sort of having an off session or or like you know erring in length early and so on and that's exactly what happened like i mean look at someone like uh, jansen right the way he started off in the first innings was naturally i mean there was his first test debut test he was probably not hitting the right length in fact i don't think he was even bowling the same pace but just as he started to sort of gain confidence even in the second innings you could see and and in this test there was a world of difference and that that cannot happen if he's playing abroad and you know the fact that he's playing in familiar conditions on wickets that he's bowled before on wickets that he understands well on how to bowl once he got through the early sort of uh, roughness um, you can see how good he is i mean the the pitch uh, is very interesting right i mean this is a classic kind of pitch where basically it uh, makes you start to question a lot of things that you take for granted like you assume usually that batting in the third and fourth innings will be tougher than batting in the first innings i mean that's just an intuitive way of thinking about cricket but with a pitch like this it's not necessarily true because batting can get uh, in many pitches and we have seen in new zealand uh, in the recent years and we have also seen in many other parts of the world that there are pitches where batting tends can get easier and uh, that is one part of it the other part of it is also like the <coughs> bounce like the tennis ball bounce that we have spoken about in this podcast i mean you just slightly err in length like um, some of the, like bumrah and shami did even in the final innings and then the ball like shoots up way over the keeper's head and goes for four i mean that's like you know that that wouldn't happen again in like uh, a lot of pitches that you play on so you know all these sort of uh quirks that you see on a, a regular basis on a pitch like this makes you begin to under, like even question your conventional uh sort of thoughts about these things uh anyway uh, ashoka uh, you can take it away you can say whatever you want against these two fellows who were questioning uh, <laughs> shardul in the previous but you also uh, said the kohli should be shelved and i think uh, kohli just decided okay ashoka himself has said so let me just sit out of this test match yeah, so yeah, many I, predictions you are doing so please uh, tell us what is going to happen in uh, 2022 what are the prospects you can make larger predictions also now <laughs> no i said in the last podcast that uh, i will keep quiet now let these two guys talk and and i think shardul replied fittingly more than what i can ever reply so I, so so that part is done but but, uh, but honestly i felt uh, very good seeing that seven for because uh, you know i i think for me at least uh, very few cricketers give me good amount of joy watching them play Shardul is one of them. Uh, Siraj is another. Shami. Uh, for some reason, uh, I even like uh, uh, you know Dickwell and Erosion Dickwell when he when he keeps when he bats. It's it's joyful. I mean, uh, these are you know colorful characters of the game. So so I am kind of partial to all of them, irrespective of their record and what they do 
I mean, I achieve in the field. So very happy that he took a seventh for uh, five for would have been would have been great, but seventh for is like insane. The best figures by an Indian bowler against South Africa. Period. I I I mean, we don't even need to say in South Africa. It's I think even it's against South Africa for India. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, it, it's a, it's a great achievement for him, and the way he batted, the twenty eight he made. uh he was lifting his leg and cutting and all and sometimes i thought hey, what what is the what is happening here so so it was it was great fun and as mai said it was a very close test match i also felt that but but this is where we are i mean this is the measure of indian bowling that the third wicket fell in the chase at 175 i think there were 65 more runs and seven more wickets i was this was not a romantic in the 90s some miracle will happen and we will win kind of hope i legitimately thought this bowling attack could do it on this surface like we were beating bats consistently uh, things were happening almost every over there was at least one event every over and i was thinking maybe if you know uh, probabilities go this way or that way india could have made it into a a very close match and then you know under pressure i don't know whatever could have happened so i too thought it was a very very close match and 240 in the end was not enough but i thought I, when india made 240 i thought most probably this is going to be it we are going to get to 20 unfortunately it didn't happen but uh, that's fine the uh, as far as kohli being shelled and what not uh, we missed the chance man we should have given it to captaincy to the greatest captain ever indian captain ever we went with rahul poor guy all bad memories of uh, captaining kings 11 punjab came back or now they are called punjab kings no so i think that came back and haunted we should have made rahane captain see that would have been a great uh, 50 captains knock also that would have been great selling to ashoka two podcasts ago you said you can put a tree stump to captain india and uh, it will not make a difference now you are saying make rahane no, he is he is still saying the same thing make rahane the captain <laughs> it, it, it doesn't <laughs> no yeah so we could have i mean it it really uh, the captaincy point is moot is what i'm saying i'm just being frivolous for the sake of it but but captaincy point is moot uh, in such conditions you have the bowling attack uh, you should be able to win at least 7 out of 10 tests if you play in these conditions and and i agree one other one other thing was i particularly did not feel south africans were that ruthless i mean they were also making a lot of mistakes uh, and that is the scary part no you know especially rabada i don't think he is 100% there yet he is not rabada rabada yet but it is very scary that even at this 60 70% of where he is right now he seriously challenges uh, batsmen in these conditions he will be a very very deadly bowler if he is in peak form and i think we should quickly win another test before he you know gets there and put a tick to the south african campaign saying that we won in south africa yeah the what the point about the collapse is interesting because the last series that india went to the wanderers i mean south africa did have a collapse they were chasing 241 and uh, they were going at some 130 for 3 or something and then they all collapsed for 177 pretty quickly i mean that was a really quick collapse so i I'm, i'm saying i'm not surprised that you felt india could still get seven wickets for within 65 runs it's happened before and uh, it in it in india of course it happens all, very often but uh, it's happened before abroad also kartikeya 
So I see that uh, in the Indian coach is reading your tweets and then saying the same things in press conferences. What's happening, man? So uh, basically, I think uh, the wicket, you know, in every country, you know, every like uh, traditionally strong country, uh, one of the features that makes them strong is that they can always call on bowlers who are like built for their conditions. You know, like India can call Akshar Patel in India and England can call Chris Wokes in England and Australia can call, you know, bowl and whoever, you know, they're like experienced first class bowler. They can come in the test team and do a job and be very competent. Uh, South Africa are similar, you know, they also have like their, their sort of average bowler is like over six feet tall and can hit the pitch. And, you know, this wicket did not, was not like the 2018 pitch, which was like dangerous. If you remember the Wanderers pitch in 2018, they had to stop the game because it was proving to be so dangerous for a while. Uh, this reminded me more of the 2013-14 pitch, you know, where uh, I think the second innings were both India made 420 and then oh, South Africa made 450 for seven or something like that. And I think they would have won if they had made like eight, ten runs more, something like that. But in the last last over, I think they AP de Villiers of all people decided to shut shop or something. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong. Uh, faf, faf. Ah, Duplessis. Faf and uh, Vernon. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. I think De Villiers made a hundred in that innings and then got out or something. Uh, so basically, the you know, the 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 threat in this in this game once the sort of sea moment died out and the pitch lost a little bit of spite, which you would expect, you know, after two or three days of cricket because they don't water it during the game. Uh, the pitch sort of you know you need to have that height to exploit the whatever uneven bounce there. That is the variation that you're getting. There's a misbehavior that's going to beat the bat, you know. So the the once the sort of C movement goes away now, then it, basically the option of pitching it up is, is no longer a, like a reliable attacking option. You know, you go for a lot of runs. That's why you saw so many drives when the batsman for your bowler pitched it up. Uh, but the Indian bowlers are not as tall as the... Uh, South Africa. Like, I, I think South Africa have three out of their four. I mean, Ingidi, uh, Rabada, and Jansen are well over six feet tall. Like, uh, whereas in India, I think all of them are not even six feet tall. Uh, and so, you know, they they had the they had the bowling for the conditions, and India did not in the second innings. That was, I think, basically what decided the game. Uh, but you know, it's like it's a measure, I think, of how few holes India have in their side now, you know, because it takes that kind of differentiation to sort of let a side, uh, you know, sneak ahead and win, you know, and of course they, 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 they are good players, you know, I mean, Elgar, Van der Dusen, uh, you know, they may not have all played 80 test matches, but, you know, in 2001, Jack Callis had not played 80 test matches either. You know, he's still a, he went on to become Jack Callis, you know, I mean, the, so, it's like, okay, today, if you look back, then, you know, De Villiers and Amla and uh, Kalish and Graham Smith and all have like mountains and mountains of test runs and mountains and mountains of test hundreds. But that was not always the case, no? I mean, they're still competing against them in the 2000s. And, you know, especially if you remember Amla, before he sort of had his 
huge leap in the the batting era in 2009 2010 he was like a player who averaged like late 30s early 40s and stuff and but you know so so these are good players i mean there's no i mean and i know uh, i know that uh, uh, mahesh will come to his great hero but uh, i i will say that you know temba bomo is in fantastic form uh, which i'm sure we'll hear a lot more from from mahesh uh, but you know he's in he's in top form and basically uh, he's had a terrific series so far which in my opinion suggests that he's going to fail in the next test match but on the other hand he may not uh, i think he will he is in that phase where amla took off right so bauma is in the take off stage so he's going to reel off quite a few series of like succession of big scores so i'm not going to bet on that i'm i'm just curious why do we when we talk about form no it's always only the batsman like why don't we say that you know this guy uh, you know rabada has now come back into form and he's going to be extremely dangerous in the next i don't season. think so man he's extremely dangerous is true but i don't think he's in this is not the final form of rabada i mean i have seen him bowl better he first of all he bowls a lot of no balls which means i think there is the fundamental rhythm i think he's he's just gaining it back uh and secondly i think i've seen a lot of balls that he bowled you know uh, down the leg and over pitched it uh so i and when he was good he was like sensationally good my point is i've seen him be that good consistently throughout an innings or throughout a match and once he gets there he's he's going to be you know problematic and that also brings me to another point like in this test right i thought in both innings lungi ingidi bowled better than you know all the other wicket takers and funnily enough the wickets that he got a couple of wickets i think he got uh, batsmen fending off their hips down the leg to the keeper so i thought he was he was really really good and he didn't get wickets for a very long time or conversely i think yansen uh, uh, and even to a point olivier olivier i was slightly disappointed because he was maybe this is his comeback match or what not he was a one very surprised that he was hitting only you know uh, i thought he would hit 140 straight away he was bowling at 120 i didn't know what the hell happened there but uh, and secondly he was you know uh, either too short or too full he got whacked for a lot of runs so 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 that's what i'm saying like uh, i particularly don't think that this south african bowling attack uh, uh, necessarily consistently outbowled the indian bowling attack but they had the, the, the chances that create that they created offered them more wickets than you know the chances that indian bowlers create so uh, that would be my reading i have not gone into quick quiz and what not i've just this is just from the observation that when when i saw the match this is what my observation was i mean siraj didn't get any wickets but the first innings the way he bowled before that hamstring and what not he must have gotten like 40 wickets in the 40 balls that he bowled i mean it was insane that the way he bowled. yeah the first afternoon that uh, sort of first evening the indian bowling uh, the was extremely good to watch yeah, yeah siraj so, shami yeah yeah so so these things add up and you get a result and then you have to prescribe some kind of narrative for the result but this is like that flat batting surface for a batsman equivalent some guys will make 200 some guys will be looking like golden and then they'll get out at 30 or 40 and then we'll have to say something it's just one mistake 
No, my point was much the larger point. It's like batsman gets one chance, right? So even if he's like you know middling the ball, and even if his everything is going right for him, it just requires that one chance for him to get out. But a bowler, on the other hand, he gets so many more chances. So we, I feel, we should be talking about form more for bowlers than for batsmen. But yeah, yeah, Kartika is raising his uh, hand. No, we should be, but what what we talk about for bowlers is that bowlers like previously, you know, bowler bowls crap for like for entire spell, and in the end of the spell he gets a wicket. You know, then the bowler has redeemed himself, as if the runs which were conceded because of the crap bowling suddenly went away. You know, it's like the runs are still counting. No, you 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 still conceded forty in like your nine overs. You know, so it, it, but but that is the way that is the way this is discussed. No, I mean that the. bowling is harder to observe than batting you know whereas it is far more consequential you know you every ball you know if you if you sort of do the math like you know you you bowl every ball at a certain quality and at certain threat level over like a spell the total threat you represent is way more than you know if every ball is just slightly less you know on average you know and and so being erratic yeah exactly being erratic is a is a horrible thing for a bowler you know i mean so. yeah like the first test i mean in centurion the first day i mean south africa's bowlers were erratic and you know the no balls and the the bowling the lines they were bowling yeah, it, were erratic and that cost that cost them, them no yeah, sorry it cost them that match it, it cost, cost them, them that match, match. I mean, that, the the margin of victory was basically those 100 100 120 odd runs which they uh, first wicket like was 117 that and that was the margin of victory 113 was the margin of victory yeah and on the other hand they bowled india out pretty cheaply in this uh, second test and this uh, is yeah but let's talk about that olivia point is very interesting i mean yeah we we spoke about him in the preview podcast we said that the against pakistan he bowled exceptionally well and i also remember that series and i remember him being quite pacey and being like this kind of pacey uh, sort of guy who could cut it either way and like pakistan really struggled i think he even uh, bowled against sri lanka and i remember him uh, having a you know good spells against them as well but suddenly here he uh, maybe it's the county influence maybe it's thing people are even blaming the speed gun thing uh, it can't be bowling so slow uh, did you did you were you surprised as well No, I was quite surprised. I did ask this on Twitter as well to understand if other people who've seen him recently have any theories. And because you know, I would expect okay. One of the theories that people give me is that he lost his pace because of the grind of county cricket, which makes sense. But the only problem with that explanation is that you would have expected some of the South African writers to write up write about it in the lead up, right? That that Olivier is coming back, but he's not the same Olivier. He's he's ten kilometers per hour, you know, slower and so on. And especially, it's not like he's not played in domestic cricket. He just had a phenomenal domestic season as well. so they would have seen him bowl there so my assumption was that it's probably because of his you know he's just recovering from covid perhaps that weakness and, and he's still not fully sort of fit and therefore not bowling at full tilt uh but majority of the responses i got were possibly and not even possibly quite a lot of them were highly convinced that it's because of his county strength if that is indeed the case then it's going to be a little troublesome because that seems to be his natural length you know even when he was bowling with a new ball on the first day you know at least later on you can argue that he's hitting the pitch to get that variable bounce to work in his favor but even on the first morning with the new ball he was bowling the same length and then like if your memory of it is is also the same right when he was bowling earlier he prefers to he was like yeah, the right he, hand he is short of length he is not yeah. uh, he is not a full 
I think the one full ball not even short length short like like Neil Wagner like you know, uh, no no the one full ball that he bowled was wide outside and Rahane kind of uh, guided it to slips he got an LBW as well he does bowl full yeah. as a as a variant but he he's like quite comfortable hitting the pitch and and bowling short and kind of threatening the batsman and you know and he's got quite a mean bouncer like if you if you go back to watch the highlights of his old spells he's got a great bouncer there's no doubt about it so i was a little surprised by that just the other point about erratic so it is south africa did go through phases of erratic bowling even here the the difference between the previous test and this one is that this pitch had a little more reward for erratic bowling when when things were sort of when when they were not too erratic like for instance when south africa started the innings here uh, i don't think rabada and oliver got off to a great start but because of the nature of the pitch they didn't get away or or india didn't run away with it you know even when they were surviving they didn't run away with it so that gave south africa an opportunity to come back again and once they could get back some sort of rhythm the wicket was rewarding a lot more in in sort of quick burst of wickets in this so i wouldn't i wouldn't think that they were less erratic here except for jansen who kind of bowled much better i, I think rabada was kind of equally erratic in phases in both the tests Uh, uh Jansen was comfortably better in this test in fact he was comfortably better even in the second innings of the previous test than the first innings uh Olivier was er- erratic too for a guy who's coming back into the game so i i wouldn't buy into the case that they were less erratic here and i wouldn't buy into the case that all that is explained by luck i also think this wicket the unique nature of this wicket helped south africa in the sense that it rewarded the the erratic bowling to some extent a lot more than the previous one and also this wicket helped in them not getting penalized too much in terms of the batsman running away with quick sort of scoring in the first innings when they were erratic you know no more than the first innings let me bring in the second innings also the evening that pujara and rahane batted and and the morning again when they started off they scored like 60 odd runs very very quickly in that phase also i think uh, south africans were were ultra aggressive and were trying to you know really no, really was conscious they were aggressive they were there was a conscious thing but in the first thing they were erratic yeah i mean i think that's a good good distinction because you know i mean this is not a this is not a seamer's pitch no i mean it's not a pitch where you bowl on a length and you you attack the fourth stump line or the top off stump and you know you try to beat both edges of the bat basically and you know you just it's a, this is not a james anderson wicket like this is a this is a fast bowler's pitch so you have to pitch it up or you have to pitch it short you know you have to basically uh you know trap the batsman on the crease one way or the other uh and you have to be relentlessly attacking and so therefore you also see a lot of shots you know you, you the batsman get a lot of things to drive and a lot of things to pull and a lot of things to hook and occasionally a lot of things to cut although because there's uneven bounce and because the south african bowlers are taller the cut is kind of a the cut on a pole are kind of you know dicey shots because you, you don't know exactly how high the ball is going to rise oh did uh, you see that cut from rani yeah he made rahane what are you talking about <laughs> i'm, I'm talking about sharshul tak the lordship oh oh the lord yeah vishi yeah yeah the vishi the, cut yeah the vishi cut yeah but you know it, so it is i think even the first day i think i uh, the impression i got was that S- south africa always bowled as if it was you know an up and down pitch you know i don't think they ever went for like the seam movement you know because uh, i don't firstly i don't think their bowlers are built for that kind of bowling you know okay ngd can do it and you know rabada can do whatever he wants but i don't think uh, uh, olivier or jansen are 
that type of bowler i mean they are you know out and out fast bowlers yeah the speed gun was i don't know the speed gun was weird because it was not as though the batsman had a lot of time to play olivier or anything like that you know i mean and also he's got that he's got an action where you know he either hits the pitch or he like puts a bowls it really full so you know the batsman is always rushed a little bit with what he's what he's bowling and he's tall and he's got this high arm so it's uh, it's it's not he's not easy to read i think for the batsman you know in the in the same way that jaspreet bumrah is not easy to read for the batsman so uh he also he may have lost a bit of pace but he doesn't bowl like a seam bowler if you see what i mean you know he doesn't bowl like an english bowler who is like you know good length good length good length good length good length all the time you know he's he's he still bowls like a south african bowler when he's you know basically trying to blast the batsman up and that's the that's the that's the thing that i really like about these uh, south african pitches you know where the 2018 pitches and the two pitches we had in this test match you know where there is no attrition you know you cannot like like you know you saw at lords or oval or you know even in this ashes you know with the old ball you know this bowling dry and all you know these are very fast scoring pitches it's very hard to bowl dry it's very hard to kill the scoring you know so you know unless you are like you know jaspreet bumrah and mohammad shami bowling at someone like dean elgar who will, who doesn't have a lot of shots and who's you know just conventionally uh, you know a guy who scores from deflections and you know unless it's in he's like basically like pujara Uh, you know where you have to bowl to his scoring area for him to even attempt an attacking shot so uh, south africa is a is a very different country fast bowling wise than england or australia i think you know and i think uh, and i i perhaps you know the one one perhaps one good thing about india having a good pace bowling attack is that now people will sort of begin to notice these things and people will begin to make these distinctions uh you know so so the that this call this description will become much more textured you know like you know you were saying in the previous time we talked uh, about you know shrinath observing that you know bumrah in england he bowls like a english bowler in australia he bowls like australian bowler in west indies like a west indian bowler uh you know and you know okay I, i think i have a vague idea of what he means by that but you know we don't really know right but you can see a little bit of a difference in like how the south african bowlers bowl in south africa and you can begin to see and begin to flesh out that picture a little bit yeah just a point about the uh, you know the speed gun i mean there was a uh, i'll link a interesting piece that came out uh, pretty recently about on cricket for cameron ponsonby you know about how the speed gun can often is often used as the only metric of uh, uh, figuring out how quick a fast bowler is but how misleading it is i mean because you have a batsman is hurried for various reasons not just pace and you know you can have a bowler bowling a length that where the ball takes off at a you know certain angle that hurries the batsman you can have so many other reasons i mean it's a very interesting piece so read that so that is one and the other thing is that you know you speak to people of a slightly earlier generation about pa- fast bowling and this and that and i feel that one of the things that really helped uh, people of uh, uh, the earlier era also learn about fast bowling even though they the t- television coverage wasn't as good as it is back then 
uh, one of the things that helped was that you had the camera on both sides so you would actually see one in every alternate over you would see the fast bowler running in and you would not just see the bat, uh, batsman you would see the back of the batsman and the fast bowler running in and then so that would give you an idea of the lift and the zip that they were getting off it so someone like marshall you see anyone who has watched marshall they will tell you about how deceptive marshall was because you know he had that nice smooth rhythmic action and then you get that length he's also a sh- short bowler compared to many of the other west indians but that lift that he got and then you see the batsman actually like moving up like this from the back and then the ball rising up with it i think that makes a huge difference to understand fast bowling as well and now with this hd coverage that we're getting if we get both angles i think it'll be even better to uh, sort of understand fast bowling and yeah completely agree with kartikeya's point about how as viewers of indian cricket we are pretty much now at like the elementary level elementary school level of learning about you know fast bowling i mean this is the first real batch of exception like extremely good fast bowlers that we have had we've had uh, you know uh, shrinath and kapil and zahir and all before but this is when we're actually beginning to think about fast bowling in a much more like sort of because we're seeing so much of it and so 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 many good spells of it so regularly so i think that's a fascinating point and even in this batch of fast bowling riches that we have we kind of appreciate it a lot more when even this gang cannot get over the opposition like for instance the world test championship final is the is one of those matches where uh, where uh, you know quite a lot of us talked about the fact that india was simply outmatched by the sheer versatility of of the new zealand attack for those conditions and again we got to reiterate the fact that it is for those conditions similarly in south africa uh, you know as versatile as this attack is you you were still outdone by a better attack for those conditions again and it's only when we are losing we tend to appreciate the the variance a lot more you also see like you know when when uh, i started watching cricket you know with uh, say south uh, india going to south africa donald pollock and you know uh, two two three or four good bowlers for their condition like very good donald pollock was in the great category but you have even the backup bowlers were extremely good for south african conditions so you see a batsman like tendulkar or a batsman like uh, you know making those hundreds against them the sort of it sort of elevates it even more because you have these three four extremely good bowlers and you have this uh, batsman who is playing against them and scoring as well which is the opposite now no like if you see like a dean elgar innings or if you know from a south african point of view if you see a dean elgar innings you begin to sort of that innings elevates that part with more not only because of the context in which it's made but also because of the attack in, against which it's made so uh, it's also very good to watch batting against this bowling yeah. so just just one more point on on uh, uh this when you when you start recognizing the lack of sort of versatility in particular conditions for this attack this is after it's not like they had an off day or something it's not like they bowled bad in those conditions or whatever they were just not as good as the opposition that's the only difference they were you know stand alone they still bowled well like if you, if you look at even the second innings of or the fourth innings that is uh, i mean the number of times that shami beat the bat and and bowling with such control such immense control even then even bumrah for instance who had one of his sort of off days by his standards he still bowled so well you know like the the difference between uh, an attack which is better suited for these conditions versus uh, the indian attack is still rather marginal so at the cost of uh, bringing up something that's uh, historically unpopular and losing listeners 
uh, i'll also point out that you know uh, some of the new information we are getting is also because of you know new data like you know our friend uh, ganju uh, himanish uh, he's uh, managed to figure out how to read uh, trajectory data and 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 he's he he's uh, able to sh- sort of find out how much lift each bowler gets so so when the ball is in flight you know there are different accelerations operating on the ball you know and so there's a upward acceleration and some fast bowlers like jaspreet bumrah it it turns out that they get a lot more upward acceleration in their delivery and that's because of they impart backspin on the ball uh because of his action you know and it's not always the same amount of backspin and so this apparently makes a difference i think to you know the batsman's ability to read the length you know and makes him a lot more deceptive you know because uh, it it shows that you know some bowlers have very clean actions and they are very easy to read and other bowlers don't have you know uh other bowlers have like bumrah they have unusual action or olivier uh and they they are harder to read you know so you know it's also you know you remember in back in the day when reverse swing was in vogue there was a the whole business of you know hiding the ball and and all that uh but it's become i think much more sophisticated than that now yeah uh, i think uh, even ashwin mentioned something in his uh, interview right about uh, the lift that uh, you get in uh, many uh, sort of pitches and you have to adjust the length based on that and himanish uh, i think had posted something on that as well about uh, lift and how that is the opposite of dip so bowlers talk about dip but then ashwin was talking about something that's like the counter to that that happens with the ball I, uh, in addition to all this in this pitch in this particular surface i think there was one or two spots that where if you pitch the ball it will either go over your head or or it will reach to your hips or it will go to your knees there are the three different variants for the same surface and to i think among the indian bowlers uh, that day shardul has cracked cracked it to land it on that place for like many many number of times and and he gets a couple of wickets from there as well so 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 there there is the other thing as well not just on a the, the bowler's cap- capacity to get a lift or dip from a ball but also the irregularities in the surface that come into play and especially this surface and south africa were lucky i think heavy roller was used twice once before they started the innings the chase and once the beginning of fourth or fifth day yeah yeah the commentators kept saying right the eight and a half uh, meters uh, from the base of the stump is where that the crack is but yeah shardul i mean as, as much as we can say we cannot uh, uh, explain what shardul does and he's like beyond uh, science and beyond explanation that, that that i noticed too that he has the discipline to be able to uh, pitch the ball and make the pitch do the thing and he also as i mean they were analyzing uh, his seam right his seam position how he's able to bowl like a, a bit of a wobbly seam uh, or maybe it's called a scramble seam i'm confused now but yeah how it lands on that irregularity and then after that it straightens so what that hap- what that means is that when the ball is very close to the batsman it's also moving because the seam is upright so that uh, causes a bit of a thing as well plus uh you know people have pointed out how the slowness uh, perhaps works to his favor right like you're facing uh, bowlers who are uh, like bumrah and shami who are coming at you at a certain pace and then facing a slightly slower bowler who is also accurate has its own challenges because then automatically you have to adjust your uh 
sort of way I, in which that, you're treating it but that pace is kind uh, the, the difference in pace is kind of you know not that demarcated because i thought the indian bowlers bowled at a high 130s all through very rarely did we break the 140 145 barrier and this guy bowls at 131 to 135 so he is actually quite faster than olivier in this test i and it's just the batsman's perception that they don't get some scoring opportunities from the other three they see this guy as a you know their one release option and they take kind of unnecessary risks against this guy and this guy is not that bad so i don't think it's about them taking the risk that usually happens but like you know for instance i think what he does well is that see he can he can swing the ball very well like even in australia i think he was the only bowler who swung the ball uh and then he can also hit the seam and get it to move a little bit like i mean not as consistently as as a shami for sure and even for someone at his pace he bowls a bounce as well so there's no doubt that he's got the basic ingredients of bowling well the thing that you've always talked about here before you know sometimes in jest sometimes not so much in jest is is the fact that he's not quite accurate he doesn't have as much control over uh, his length as the other bowlers have and that even in this innings you know as much as he was able to hit the cracks consistently he was also kind of varying in length way more than any other bowler in either side and and that's been it's like a it's like a function of his bowling it's not even like he had an off day therefore he was like this which is why uh, for instance i was making the case that for him to play ahead of ishant and umesh seems unfair to both ishant and umesh and if you play him as an all rounder then he doesn't bring the same sort of level of uh, you know utility as someone like hardik pandya does and all that is still valid he could take another seven wicket all another eight wicket all in the next test all that is still valid the uh, in fact uh, mortal i think was uh, was comparing it to a typical uh, philander spell and and that's a good comparison to go for in terms of the fact that in terms of what he can do in terms of skill with the ball and the pace at which he bowls but the big difference between philander and uh, uh, shardul is the fact that philander is bloody accurate uh, and he rarely errs in length whereas this guy errs in length quite frequently for uh, for a test class bowler uh, and i still have my doubts on that i mean it, it, the rest of the things he's got the skill he can move the ball he can hit the deck and, and you know he can perhaps exploit any help in the surface uh, but consistently speaking like can he can he have the kind of long stretch of matches that ishant ishant had where he was able to give so much control uh, i really i really think you should continue to have doubts uh, mahesh <laughs> because uh, that is working out very well for him so please continue to have doubts no, no, I, i'm going to have my doubts i'm like if you've given a choice to play ishant or umesh over the next 10 tests versus shardul i'm going to pick one of them for sure no i mean two <laughs> points right one uh, there was this uh, uh, twi- uh, twitter um, you know uh, twitter narsiman who you know messaged me when i was when with the just i was tweeting about shardul and he messaged and saying that you know you're we are also suffering from this contrast like shardul from his memory he thinks is bowling as well as ventesh prasad was on his debut series in south africa in 1996 but and and which of course was uh, we uh, we also saw when who saw that spell look back on it fondly you know because it was his uh, early series and he's like one of his early was this his debut series and he made his debut in england England yeah so one of his early series and uh, you know he's bowling so well he's taking so many wickets and of course then you had shrinath and then you had the the drop was pretty steep uh, you know after that so 
that is one one thing like you know shardul is also in a team that has the bumrahs and shamis and all the others so obviously we are the we are looking at him in a different way and the second point is that you know in this kind of uh, scenario games and in these kind of with these kind of bowling attacks as ashoka said it's very likely that batsmen are looking at you know when they see a loose ball they are trying to go for it they want the runs and it's invariable that uh, they are getting out sometimes to the shots i mean whether it's against shardul or whether it's against other bowlers and the other bowlers are probably you know that first afternoon uh, bumrah and shami were giving nothing so the moment siraj came like the first i think the first over or something he had a little bit of a loose now after that he became like uh, you know he raised the pace and he became really good but you could immediately see keegan peterson like trying to you know free his arms and go for it and you know that's natural so with shardul that's probably also the way of thinking you naturally you feel that this bowler who has uh, you know a ch- uh, wavered sort of uh, a chance to be wavered you want to go for it and get runs and you get out also in some ways but a batsman will not pay the price for that approach against shardul in another wicket yeah i think i think they are different because i think venkatesh was much taller than shardul thakur and as we've seen in this uh, this test this this last week of test cricket uh height is sort of lets you compensate a little bit for pace you know because if you see in australia right now uh i didn't watch a lot of it but you know whenever pat cummins comes on and i see in my cricket info like okay pat cummins is bowling i switch it on uh yeah you but, you have a you have a pat cummins alert of course every time he's bowling yeah so cummins bunt man so you know he pat cummins are like he's really quick right i mean he's genuinely quick and he can hit the wicket and he can get the ball to rise and you can you you notice whenever the batsman is playing uh, 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 with a vertical bat at defense the ball always hits higher on the bat than the batsman wants right it hits near the handle up on the splice you know the glove and all i think he broke uh, bestos uh, thumb today uh, pat comments on that flat pitch with a old ball you know uh, and the other bowlers like boland and all are not able to achieve that you know in in, in the india in, in the test match in south africa also uh, rabada is able to get that lift you know and get you know when rahane or pujara are fending you know the ball always hits higher on the bat than they want you know but shami he he doesn't have that height you know and so he's he, he doesn't have that option uh available to him you know so whereas olivier because he's tall he still has that option you know so even if he's olivier is a yard slower than uh, rabada in pace you know that height is giving him that extra leeway you know it's giving him that extra uh you know uh, cushion so to speak you know and making him uh, it it it's sort of reducing the batsman's scoring options against him so to speak you know even then i think uh, you know because how, how much how attacking it is you know it's just like a shootout basically it's like a you know how they say in uh, how they say in football sometimes when you know it's end to end stuff and you know it's it's like a basketball match and all that you know this is like the wanderers test was like basically a cricketing version of a basketball match you know like there is no attrition at all there's no holding game at all you know which is why i think uh elgar's batting is something worth discussing because he's a he's a pujara esque player and uh, 
Pujara didn't play like Pujara, but Elgar did play like Pujara. And uh, I think, fittingly, I think the guy who played like Pujara ended up on the winning side. I mean, it's also, it's also like, okay, let uh, talking about Elgar. I mean, the, the one of the reasons why the batsman would hesitate to play against that is you have, you know, you spend uh, one hour there, one and a half hours there, and then you get this ball that, you know, that takes off awkwardly, you fend it, and then you're out. And then you're not even made the runs that you make. So that's, I can understand why even like a Pujara or a Rahane would want to get as, maximize the time there in the middle. So Elgar's approach is admirable because he's basically saying that I'll take the chance. I will, I will stay on here. And even if it, you know, I will make, I will sort of make sure that even if that unplayable ball comes, I will back myself to sort of ride through it. Is that, that is. My my point is that, uh, my point wasn't that. And my point was, I think that, uh, because of the way the Indians had to bowl on this pitch, because what their strengths are, Elga was actually able to play like Rahane because Indians were bowling those lengths. You know, they were bowling. Whereas the South Africans were bowling like really attacking. You know, it was either hammering it into the pitch or bowling it full. And so there was a lot to hit, you know, for both Rahane and uh, Pujara. And, and they were just going for whatever they go for usually, right? With, I mean, Pujara, what are his three shots? Those were the three shots he was playing. And it was not like he was like hitting on the rise through extra cover or, you know, hitting lofted on drives or anything like that. He was not doing anything of that kind. You know, he was he was playing the shots that he usually... It's just that he got to play them like two or three times an over. Whereas, you know, in Australia, he got to play them against Cummins and Hazelwood, especially, you know, two or three times in a spell. You know, so... So, the other thing we have to ask is that, you know... Uh, this Indian side, it gives me the impression that they don't really make anything up on the fly. Like their plans and what they're going to do in the next hour in the, with the bowling is all set. Like it's like there's a staff and they are giving them instructions and that's what they're bowling. That's the line of attack. So whether they attack the stumps or whether they bowl outside of stumps, it's all, it's all planned out. So I don't know whether they have the ability to bowl like, you know, that hit the pitch hard and... Uh, and do that and be effective or whether, you know, it's just a question of, well, they don't have the height and it, it will just not be effective. So they didn't try. Because one of the things you notice is that South Africa always had a short leg and often like a second player uh, just around at like 45 degrees, a uh, 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 leg gully kind of fielder. But India never had that. You know, uh, India was still bowling with like a conventional field. And partly I think that was because India had to defend runs because, you know, they, they, they made 200 in the first innings, not like 350. Uh, but partly also because uh, I think they bowled to their strength. They bowled to what they know, what they are good at. So I, I don't know. I mean, it might have been worth trying, you know, for, to go for like maybe uh, half an hour, 45 minutes of trying that ultra attacking, you know, hammer the, bowl, hammer the pitch, hammer the bowling side of bowling. And see what happens. I mean, it could be that they would go for 80 runs in that hour and the match would be over. That's also possible. You know, but I don't think India would have been concerned about that. But the best exponent of that for India is probably Siraj. And unfortunately, he was not fully fit. And that probably hampered their plans. I, uh, I think the best exponent is actually Ishan Sharma. He was not there. So, 
ठाकूर washington sundar akshar patel and if hardik pandya is fit then hardik pandya out of these six two will always play uh, uh you know and so the option is siraj or ishan sharma and to be fair to siraj i mean it's you cannot argue that you know it was a mistake to take siraj in front of ishan sharma but and partly i think is also that ishan sharma may not be fully fit the other injury the back spasm uh kohli missed out on the test so uh, uh, i mean i i really don't know about what uh, difference it would have made i mean obviously virat kohli having virat kohli the batsman on such a pitch uh, you know on a, in a low scoring game could have made a huge difference um, you know he uh, in the in the last wondrous test uh, when that india played i mean he that his innings had a big role to play in sort of the push towards the getting the final innings target so i mean any uh, you know kohli as a batsman definitely but i know a lot of talk around how india missed kohli the captain that i am not uh, you know entirely uh, that i am not going to buy entirely because partly because of uh, the fact that you know the bowlers especially in the final innings they come with their own plans they have they have the bowling coach they have their ideas they are also really good bowlers so uh that is one you know you can say bowling changes yes maybe uh, you know a captain has a you know a captain with a you know, who who reads the pulse of the game and the rhythm of the game may make the changes and things but i i don't know on this wicket in these conditions i don't know if that captaincy would have really tilted anything admit it you will not hear a word against your schoolmate by schoolmate you mean rahul dravid right exactly who is actually my the only schoolmate who is the only one who went to my school in that whole squad i mean not even that whole uh, whatever uh, team and team management wait i thought rahul kl rahul and rahul dravid went to the same school no 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 kl rahul did not go to that school but uh, yeah you you can make Th- your this is the north of india vindhya's you know sort of stand problem you know Where you just assume all Rahul's go to the same school in Bangalore. <laughs> But it's just one tiny hill station. Bangalore is one. How many schools can you have over there? Yeah, yeah. This is this is the this is the exactly the point that we are making. So uh, yeah, but, but KL Rahul. First of all, first of all, it's a big leap for KL Rahul to uh, you know be out of the team for not too long ago and then come back into the team, cement his place, be the captain. and now it's like uh, you know and he's also like uh, 
in in the one day as he's uh, you know on i think he's in one day as he's vice captain vice captain no uh, he's captaining he's captaining vice captain ah, in one day as he's one day as he's captain in test uh, this test he captained and uh, who knows uh, maybe kohli will be back for the next test but he rahul could captain again so yeah i mean quite a quite a big giant leap for him i i, I have a psychobabble psychobabble around this kohli's missing out on this test and why sadarika won so when uh, and this is classic like if south africa go on to win the series i'm going to just like publish a thesis on this that when uh, at the toss when um, when mark nicholas was shocked to see kohli not being there and then he was asking kl rahul uh, you know in a tone where kl rahul must be, must have felt like like is he regretting that i've turned up here uh, you know and then he finished with kl rahul and he went to uh, to uh, dean elgar it is quite unfortunate that they had some sound issues otherwise you know i wanted that to that sort of interaction to last a while longer where he asked uh, what is your take on this and you know like basically mark nicholas want, wanted him to say oh my god it's such a relief to not see kohli there and we are excited or whatever daniel gas said it doesn't matter to me and we are here to play a game we are here to do our what we have to do and whatever and the, and because the captain leading from the front was so focused on their end of the game that they were able to go on and achieve the success and next time when kohli comes back also because he had already discounted kohli's presence in the previous test they would still go on to win like if 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 they win the series that's going to be my narrative uh, and no, we no, should started a... the podcast this way sidvi you you went on with bowling and irrelevant stuff first question you should have asked is did india miss kohli yes india missed kohli did india miss no, no, kohli no, no. as a how captain much did india miss kohli not even yeah. did how much another thing is did india miss kohli as a captain and his captaincy the enthusiasm and the intensity that he brings and uh, there is another popular theory that's going around right like kohli wants his 100th test to be in india therefore he had a back spasm convenient back spasm so that is also a theory worth considering because that sounds so rational no but i have uh, of course the 100th test which could be in the great hill station of bangalore let's not forget that <laughs> but uh, but i another theory was this mark nicholas point that you brought up even before the toss uh what happened was uh, mark nicholas shawn pollock and uh, gavaskar are standing around and talking about the game and pollock immediately notices that uh, kohli is not uh, walking up for the toss so he says uh, virat kohli is not there i see kl rahul and then they all like uh, they look around and they are all like quite shocked at what's happening and then mark nicholas is like oh okay that is that's going to be big news that's great news and then he asks gavaskar Do you think this has something to do with uh, the BCCI and Saurav Ganguly and the issues that he's been having, <laughs> which was first of all a big surprise for me that on air Mark Nicholas is asking this, is even bringing up this topic on Are air because Mark I, Nicholas uh, he's not uh, he doesn't need BCCI for his commentary stint, no. Exactly, he's not yeah. IPL uh, based uh, commentator, so he doesn't have to worry about that. But then Gavaskar immediately, like totally, like you know, he sort of uh, outright he said, "No, no, no, playing for the nation. I mean, the, all this is like trivial things that you're talking about. Playing for the country is the biggest thing. They won't let all this come in the way and all." And my mind automatically went back to like Nagpur 2004, when Ganguly was basically accused of you know uh, backing out of a test because he, there was the green page and this, and because he had problems with the BCCI. So I was like, "It'll be quite an irony if uh, Kohli has actually backed out of a test because of a problem with Ganguly." So it's like 
uh, of course he he didn't but you know i'm just i'm just bringing up conspiracy theories so uh, which brings me to a very uh, sort of a beautiful moment in commentary during this test and by the way i've begun to really enjoy uh, hashim amla as a commentator i think he brings uh, yeah, quite he's a lot fantastic, to commentary fantastic no he's fantastic he's fantastic and especially i think he also brings out the good uh, the really good side of gavaskar which is uh, good i mean when you have gavaskar and amla discussing batting it's a joy to listen to because otherwise gavaskar is talking about uh, converting ones into twos and his usual a uh, uh, lot of stuff that he has said for the last uh, 30 years anyway but the point i was pr- wanting to bring up was that uh, there was this moment on the uh, end of first day when india were bowling beautifully like bumrah shami siraj they were bowling really well and uh, these commentators are trying to analyze it and all and then there's this ball that's quite unplayable you just like the bat batsman just like sort of uh, tries to defend and then it just beats the bat and it goes and mike hasben is like so how does one play that hashim how does one play that and then uh, hashim amla in his usual laconic style he's like uh, don't know mikey it's a bowler's game and then he just pauses and then everyone like in the background you can hear commentators laughing and all that and they're like then uh, mikey hasben like Oh, that's the first time I'm hearing that, Hashim. Are you sure? Like, yeah. What else can I say? <laughs> yeah. At that point, I think it's this, this is third day or something, right? Like late in third day or something. Oh yeah, it's probably the third day, not the first. That, day. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Rabada nearly turned the batsman inside out. Uh, I think that's when. What can I say? He says. So yeah, 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 yeah. that's that's yeah. sorry, I got it wrong. Yeah, yeah. 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 So so yeah, he he's very very refreshing, and by extension, I think. Uh, the way to deal with this gavaskar late stage madness is that uh, every time i think uh, he goes off the rails and starts talking about something irrelevant i think we should deduct 200 runs from his career i think <laughs> this is this is the i think by now this is the only punishment that i can think can bring him back <laughs> no i think i think the i think the real punishment will be not 200 runs it will be deducting one test century each time he says something then that's it then like that that like test he'll like get it to he'll, he'll get it to minus at the end of one series man like <laughs> yeah this is this is fantastic but okay uh, <laughs> india's india's batting let's get to the most important point of this discussion um you know uh, rahane and pujara we had uh, basically we we have been we have had many thoughts about them through the series uh it is uh, of course uh, kl and mayank continued from where they left off in the previous test in the first innings they started really well uh, it was looking like there was going to be another uh, you know good partnership uh, good solid partnership maybe even like you know quite a taking the game away but wasn't to be and then of course you had that uh, sort of the middle order shrivel uh, until ashwin came and propped propped the team up to 200 but otherwise india could have even fallen for like uh, 150 on that day so yeah thoughts about that and also in the second innings how you know things uh, sort of changed a bit for those two players i mean people were saying how their careers are on the line and they've got 50s and all that i don't know if their careers were on the line or not i think they would have uh, both would have definitely played the third test and they will probably even play against sri lanka at home but yeah thoughts on that no i think uh, if if say india had won this uh, that would have been you know that would have given the team a slight opening you know to do perception management and say we are trying out new players and then bring in someone in place of either pujara or rahane but now with the series online i think uh, once again i think vihari will be going out and kohli will come in so that might unless vihari learns to keep in this next 4 5 days then they might kick 
punt out and that's another gavaskar thing like he should be fined 10000 dollars for every comment on rishabh pant that he makes <laughs> I, i mean it was ridiculous man that guy held his anger for like for five days after the test i don't know what his problem is so anyways so that is the only change i think will happen uh, rahane and pujara will keep their places and kohli will come in in place of uh, vihari that's the most likely thing that will happen uh about sri lankan series and all i don't even know what's going to happen but uh, uh, i mean bcci might find 20 other ways to do new drama and they, i don't know they'll suddenly announce uh, you know uh, ganguly to be captain of the indian team and he will come back in whites and what not i don't know the rate at which this drama is going his, his blazer still fits him you know we, we know that i think we should say the traditional thing about batting which uh, Sidvi does not want to hear, but we should say it nevertheless, which is that KL Rahul threw his away in the first innings when he got out on 50. He should have carried on and made a three-figure score. See, this is the thing. You guys expect KL Rahul to basically score runs every match, score 100 every match, captain the side, do this. How many things, slip catching, how many things he'll do, man? Other people just chill out and just hang out like that, is it? You're condemning Mayank also, right? be very specific in who we are condemning i just so want to make the point that uh, mayank agarwal has made pure runs than achinkya rane in this series so far pure yeah that, yeah you one that second innings i think uh, has uh, propped uh, has propped up the tally right didn't uh, wasn't that what do you mean propped up that second innings was not like some extra that they gave rajinkya rane <laughs> like for <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I've uh, actually liked uh, Rane batting this innings and we have discussed also, like, uh, it's, when he, uh, you know, with the approach that he takes like this, it's good. And these tests, he's also good. I mean, because it's low scoring, he can come and make that quick 50. I think he's, uh, he's a good uh, sort of a person to, he's a good batsman to have in the team in these conditions. I mean, I, but that doesn't mean, uh, at the same time, that doesn't mean like uh, Shreyas or whoever replaces him cannot do the same thing. I mean, that is the whole argument. It's like, sure, Rahane has uh, been in the team and he's been long, but over a period of, say, 30-40 tests, could India have had another batsman there who could have done better? That is the only argument there. It's not like Rahane is a terrible bat- batsman or something. The Indian team is in a situation, uh, the Indian uh, cricket is in a situation now with so much depth that you are going to have questions when you have a, a player like Rahane uh, averaging what he is over 50 tests. but that argument is now postponed right like if if the indian team management is sitting and picking a 11 for the third test with the series in line they'll obviously see that this guy has got 4 and 1/2000 runs and that guy has got 6000 runs and if both are fit and they don't have mysterious back spasms or what not they will obviously play right so no but uh, it's uh, the thing is interesting because the next test is in cape town and if there is like a you know bit of uh, like if they feel that you know it would be good to have like a spin option there then vihari might not be a bad uh, option to play in cape town i mean it's he he had a good 40 in this uh, second innings and then uh, he also gives you the chance to bowl a few spin overs right then 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 my question is will, will they drop ashwin anyways no, I, I, yeah, anyways you need a few overs from spinner bring kohli in have six batsmen 
you have five bowling options four and a half bowling options anyway no but now ashwin has uh, uh, this thing no ashwin's batting is now uh, coming to the fore no that makes a huge difference so like for a team that has uh, that usually goes in with three or four tailenders uh, three or four number 11s uh, to have a pl- player like ashwin is a huge boost in that lower order sure but what i'm saying is like it's not his batting that i'm questioning it's that amount of overs that he bowls like maharaj bowled one over in this match i think yeah so uh, one or few, i don't know if, if he bowled even that he bowled, no, he, bowled he bowled one over before lunch or something like yeah that. he bowled one over this match so ashwin bowled like quite a few overs this match but given that he's not getting much purchase and given that vihari can bowl a few overs and given that we have a good track record of dropping ashwin in overseas tests why can't we drop ashwin and bring in kohli so we have so I we have traded one material for your outrage next next episode you are just running out of material to outrage now shadul is also picking up wickets so you just want something to outrage about so let them drop ashwin so no, i didn't the legitimate thing I mean, I, it's not an outrage thing see ashwin is there because now you are saying the value of his batting i mean that is replaced by kohli uh the value of his bowling the i mean the conditions doesn't that suit can't be his type replaced. of bowling no, unlike you have jadeja you can't replace that with with anywhere close to that level of bowling but and if, if if the tests are going to be played in similar surfaces anyways what no, is the point of surface is a little tricky for instance even here while he was completely ineffective in the first innings and and to uh, it was one of those rare sort of bad performance from ashwin like he doesn't bowl as many long hops in any condition so it is surprisingly one he didn't get anything from the wicket and i think he was also quite flat in the first innings but in the second innings he bowled better and he bowled a fairly long spell and he would have probably bowled a, a longer spell the next day had it not rained the previous day and the outfield was not wet and so on so i i think ashwin still gives you that option when when let's say if it was a flat wicket then he's going to bowl like 25 overs if there is any amount of purchase in the wicket for spinner he's going to find it and you know it makes unless you have jadeja it doesn't make any sense to drop ashwin even if you're going to get similar wickets in in the, for the next test as well sorry just to go back on the on the point of rahane and and pujara i just wanted to close that loop one you know there are two ways of looking at it every time they play badly they're like okay we they should be dropped it's like every incremental innings doesn't make them look worse than than they were in the previous innings and the same symmetrical logic in some ways applies the other way around where when every 50 they score that's like they've shut the critics and whatever now this is the problem with them is not whether they are test class or not they are, they have they were test class they in fact and within that i have always argued that pujara should not be talked off in the same term you know same league as as rahane someone who averages five runs more you can argue the home versus away split but at the end of the day pujara is a more substantial batsman than rahane and and even when i did, did mention this last time the problem with pujara is not so much as the scores that he's going to get here i mean this 50 let's say is very much within like modelable uh, scores for pujara in the series it is the fact that even in india he is not scoring those big runs which perhaps is a sign that he is he is tapering off from his peak he is not he is probably uh, you know uh, not he is past his peak so to say uh, but we are not sure right so given that he scored runs here he is probably going to get another home series which is good but rahane this innings or the last innings or the last two days has not told us anything that we don't know about him already the question is is he in a decline can he sustain this run of score or is this going to be another of those sort of scores that he scores and then he runs he, he's got a series of subpar scores now that question cannot be answered in one or two innings it's, you got to look at a pattern and, and take a call and move on and like you mentioned you know 
is it possible that shreyas air could do this possible is it possible that bihari could do this possible in fact i was listening to this uh, shastri interview uh, by, by indian express and please don't read it i think a lot of things that shastri says when he says it he says it in a in a tone which comes across better when you listen to him than read him so one of the things that he was asked about is the same question about rahane and and i think was it uh, was it shirambira that guy i think he had a follow up question on this on when you have bench strength uh, the way that india has how do you deal with selections how do you drop players and whatever and he talks about it he talks about it reopening saying you know these are not easy decisions sometimes you want to give an established player a longer rope sometimes you want to Uh, say okay, you know, so we got to take a tough call with an established player and then infuse a new young player in, and so both are legitimate choices. And at some stage they'll make a call, and then my sense is that they'll make a call at the end of the series where it's going to be indecisive again. But my point is, if they had one bad series here, it could have been curtains for Rahane, which he didn't have, so which means he's going to continue. But but even next test, whether they have a you know another fifty score or a low score. is not going to tell us anything that we already don't know about where they stand in their careers so uh, it'll be interesting to actually you know do like a we should probably get a selector or a former selector obviously not present former selector on the podcast and talk about these sort of the fine distinctions that they are often forced to draw and what are the heuristics that they are basically looking at firstly for a upcoming player secondly for a player in the sort of the middle of their career and lastly for a player at the end of their career because obviously they are looking at different things at different times it can't always be the same thing so yeah i think uh, do you think do you think you'll get honest and detailed answers there because I'll, i mean embedded within each call i mean each selection call is a lot of politics as well so that can't be separated from the pure cricketing no we don't have to take specific real life examples but we can talk vaguely around some examples we can talk in theory you know like see once i did an interview with uh, trevor horns who was the australian selector during you know the their heyday their their uh, when their dynasty was going on and he you know mentioned he didn't take any names but he mentioned how you know you have a situation where a player is injured and then you have another player coming in scoring really well scoring 100 maybe even and obviously you can read that you know you have option, uh, examples like stuart law and all these other players who basically came for a brief time did really well and then had to go back they had to be dropped because the other player came back so and then he spoke about how you know after they go back to uh, shield cricket sheffield shield then how do you like what do you keep track of like what do you keep track of to know that when if there's another injury these players are ready to come back or do you ba- or do you basically say that you know after a point you know this player is actually that that was a one off thing he was like a batting in a purple patch and then he was in a decline all that so we can just talk like that and i'm sure former selectors who don't have like who are not currently in the any particular team or something may be willing to open yeah because they do no i mean even now msk prasad and all are give they speak to the press and they they explain themselves but i mean i don't i don't necessarily think that there's politics in selection i think there's jeopardy in selection i mean you are you are actually leaving someone out and you know when you have a side as good as india you have more players than you have spots so by definition you are leaving good players out you know i mean i don't i don't what i i do not object to people being dropped you know people are going to get dropped and people are going to get selected all the time you know it, i mean uh from what i have seen 
uh, if you take the perception of how selection, uh, how the Indian team is selected and the facts of how Indian 11s are selected, then firstly, the 11 is changed a lot more often than people seem to perceive that it is. Uh, and secondly, uh, I think that basically the, what I object to is this notion that, you know, oh, this player hasn't made runs, so he deserves to be dropped. He deserves to be thrown out. You know, that, 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 that's, I don't think that's on, you know, because, I mean, I think, firstly, because that turns, like, selection into, like, this uh, reward, you know, it is not a prize that you're giving to somebody to, it's a job, you know, and you're basically investing in creating a system where you have choices where you have options the selectors are not there to serve the player they are there to serve the team no they are there to win so ideally what the selectors want is that they want like eight equally good batsmen so that you know when the two or three inevitably you know get injured or get ill or get out of form they've got guys who are waiting to to take the spot so that you know they you keep winning you keep competing so that's what they want. And that's not in the interest of any player. You know, because ideally, what does a player want? A player wants to be really good form and top form with no competition. You know, so with security and form, you know, and, and that never happens. So it is a very fraught and unfair system by definition. And it has to be because this is a selection. You know, this is not no, a also, contract. Also, as spectators, we are only seeing the player who is there and, you know, we are only seeing one side of the story, right? Like the team management are the ones who are watching Shreya Sayer in the nets uh, or whoever the replacement, Vihari in the nets. They're the ones who are actually keeping a close tab on them. And if they feel that in that in this particular pitch, the way that Rahane is batting in the nets and the way Rahane has batted in the previous game and is slightly better than the way Vihari or Shreyas are countering, say, the Indian bowlers in the nets, then obviously they are going to take the call and pick Rahane. You know? And we don't see that. We don't see how Vihari or Shreyas or we don't see what the team management is seeing. So that is the other unfair part because we are judging only based on one thing that one slice of the story. I won't even say half the story. It's like we are seeing like 10 to 15% of what the team are seeing. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that was the Indian batting. Uh, I think we should move on to the South African batting. You've spoken a bit about their bowling. But uh, yeah, the South African batting, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, Keegan Peterson, I mean, Elgar, of course, uh, was a huge role. But, you know, even Keegan Peterson, Bauma, Rassi uh, had a much better test uh, in this uh, compared to the first. And it, you could see that they were also... I mean, Keegan Peterson seems like a joy to watch. I mean, just like the, yeah, so the drives he's, and pulls. Yeah. I mean, he's so organized, so, so promising. I think like you, like you take any young back, upcoming batsman who looks as promising as that, he is, there are very few in the world, right? I mean, I don't think Australia has a young batsman like him at the moment. I mean, he's that good. I, and, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of Bauma. I'm always going to be a big fan of Bauma. And, and you know, He's also improved his game and in the last, let's say, 10 tests, he's been in terrific form. And the way he plays a seam bowling is, is so instructive of the fact that one, for someone born and bred in those kind of wickets, playing against those kind of bowlers, 
Yeah, he's, his footwork is so decisive. He he goes back and across or moves forward with decisive footwork. He sees the ball so closely. And, you know, his reading of both seam and swing is so obvious to see when you watch him bat. Like, he, the number of times he gets beaten it's all, it is also pretty low, you know, when he's in a good form. Uh, he's not able to convert them into big scores. I mean, that's a problem. Uh, but But you can't really pick that as a problem in these kind of wickets. The other point I wanted to make on on South African batting was the the point that uh, that KD made earlier about Dean Elgar being similar to Pujara in some ways. While that is a valid comparison, the thing that Dean Elgar is different is that he's technically a more sound batsman for these wickets. In the sense that the problem with Pujara and the the point that you made is this: you know, you can block out hundred balls, but you're going to get one ball with your name on it, and you'll get out. Uh, the that's a slightly flawed logic in the sense that it is. The probability of Pujara having uh, getting a ball with his name on it is much higher because one, he's got this tendency to play low on wickets like this where it can bounce from nowhere or, or bounce from a good length. Uh, the probability of Pujara getting a ball with his name is much higher than Elgar. And and I, I also think uh, the kind of weakness that you see with Pujara with the ball coming in. I know there are some glaring weakness in Pujara which is kind of repeated over his career, which is not there in Elgar's uh, game at all. So he's a lot more equipped to handle these conditions. Therefore, is a lot more confident of being able to survive long stretches of time and eventually cash in on opportunities which come his way, you know. And and that was quite obvious in the way he played. And he's, uh, you know, he, it was a it was a terrific innings for the fact that he played in 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 tune with the rhythm of his batting as well as with the rhythm of the Test match. The other point, not so much about South African bat- batting, but at at large, I wanted to make uh, about uh, how generally batting like this is is written about where they took blows on their body and survived and whatever like the way we talked about pujara in australia for instance uh you know if you look at this innings elga got like smashed quite a few times uh vanderson got smashed quite a few times all of them got hit multiple times so what that tells you is that a basic test class batsman is someone who is good enough to take the blows there is no batsman who is not brave enough to take the blows the difference is only in batsmen taking blows for longer, which is a result of the fact that they have better technique to survive for that longer, they end up taking so many blows. So a basic test class batsman in all teams is good enough to take on the blows, survive it and be mentally strong enough to overcome that pain and still play. The only difference is whether they have the technique to survive for long enough to have more such balls, which is quite obvious and evident in this innings. And I mean, uh, it's not just batsmen, right? I mean, even Janssen in the first test, he took, uh, when he was uh, batting, he himself took quite a lot of blows and stood there. I mean, and he's not like a specialist batsman. He's an all-rounder. He's a bowling all-rounder. Correct. Yeah. And and to expand on, uh, on on South African batting, I mean, uh, the results don't show this, but I think Rassi van der Dessen is a, is a very, very good, good batsman. And he has a very good first-class record uh, and he has a, He's played for a long while in the first-class setup, so that obviously shows. And Bauma obviously is in excellent form, and he is actually a very good batsman. And uh, the uh, Keegan Peterson, though he looks really good while batting, and he he looks like that. Uh, I, I get a lot of Kusal Mendes Shea hope kind of vibes from him. That this is like a million-dollar. A uh, uh, player who's going to, you know, give us that magic innings, but I, I'm just seeing his, and I was seeing his. Uh, he he doesn't have a very substantial first class record, so that is something I don't know. Maybe maybe he has had a good first class season, so I'm not 
i don't know but good if it if he works out for south africa because now i think now they starting to have some kind of you know a cohesive batting unit uh, even aden aden markram i was slightly disappointed with how he has gone but he got that ball from shami couple of balls from shami which you know you can't do much about it so but he is a class player and he is in good form coming into series so you got you got markram you got uh, uh, bauma rasi keegan and even varane has a terrific first class record on back of which he is selected so you got five players apart from elgar so that looks like a and these are all like uh, late 20s and early 30s players so you can hope that if they stick around that's going to be their batting core batting unit for another 2 3 years so this looks like a beginning of a good you know phase for south african batsmen at least uh, elgar is at least 34 so i don't know how long he'll he's going to stick around with the amount of blows he's getting i think uh, let's hope he's there for another 2 3 years but anyway so this is a this is a good unit core that they have built and that's that's a similar thing with uh, uh, their bowling as well uh, they have very young bowlers and so so this is actually this is this could be a good rebuilding phase for south africa this gives me much more hope than let's say uh, a equivalent sri lankan or uh, west indies rebuild i think south africa is in a rebuilding phase because their uh, their sort of investment at the grassroots level and the affirmative action are all kind of aligning at the right time a uh, keegan peterson is not a result of a brexit or or an ingidi is not a result of a brexit and so on sure like perhaps they could have lost jansen and they could have lost some of the bowlers and that's going to help but but predominantly this it is the reward for the system that they've been building for a while as uh, as much as you can criticize csa for a lot of unprofessional things that uh, things that they've done over the years and the way they've managed some of the key players uh there's no doubt that that uh, bauma kigan uh, ingidi are all a reward for the for the grassroots development that they've done basically this idea that you know any of these sides south africa australia england india are ever going to not have six or seven decent batsmen while they have the bowlers that they have is it seems implausible to me because you cannot have a system which is producing bowlers like rabada and uh, and and uh, olivier and in gd and if that is the if that is the those are the best bowlers in that system then the best batsmen in that system have to be commensurately good no otherwise what the teams will be getting out for 50 and 60 all the time man uh, if the batsmen can't bat you know so th- I, i don't think it's plausible to say that well you can have a generation in in established test playing teams with a functioning first class system where you know you don't have five or six good batsmen okay you may not have five or six tendulkars but that's a different story okay uh, last point uh, which is uh, has become the most important talking point but yeah we should uh, not think rishabh pant and the shot that changed the match the the shot that changed the series um what are your thoughts on rishabh pant does he play the way he plays or do you do you basically say that if you want gaba you have to take this and that's all that's the way it rolls or do you go with i mean of course rahul dravid has said that it's we don't want to change the way he plays but we want to change when he decides to play what shot like the timing of the shot and things which is fair but it's also something that's a really tricky thing like you can tell a player you can talk to him in generalities but obviously when each ball is being bowled he has to take that decision and you well, have to then so, trust him enough 
Sidvi, let me ask you a question on that, right? When Rahul Dravid says that in the press conference, no? do you think he's just saying that to make the press happy or do you think he's really giving an honest, like considered serious analysis of batting? It may be a no, I think it's uh, he's saying it obviously to make the press happy because he's not getting into detail. No, he's just saying it because he knows that it's a it make, come, makes him a it makes him come but, across as a good coach. Like he's like, yeah, I mean, he's going to talk to him and leave it. But then the follow up question, if anyone had a chance, would have been how? No, but then in a press conference, you don't have that sort of uh, freedom to go so deep into it also. And Dravid knows that. And not that if uh, there was freedom, some of these guys would have asked anyway. So, they wanted a quote they, which he gave. Yeah, they got the quote. And then that became the story also. No? That was the basic. The next the time Pant will not play that shot and hit 100, they'll credit Dravid. Yeah, no, and if Pant the... plays that shot and it comes off, then also they'll credit Dravid because they because he he knew when to play it. Yeah, he let him but be. That, but that's the, the but that I think that's something that listeners might might want to reflect on, no? which is that you know whatever is said by players and press conferences is not like a they are not conducting a match review over there. You know, they are they are just responding to whatever leading question is put to them. You know, I and mean, they, I mean, the, the thing is, Vikram Rathor said pretty much exactly the same thing when asked about Virat Kohli shot in the first test, when the one where he went after the ball of on uh, seventh, sixth, or seventh stump, and he goes, he said yeah. the same thing. He said we don't want him to stop playing the cover drive, but we want him to sort of time it accurately. It's a it's a very boilerplate answer that allows coaches to sort of you know be seen in good light, but the point is that. You know, what he will actually be telling Pant or what they will actually be is far more nuanced. They will obviously be getting deep into the uh, data and seeing like how he, uh, when he sort of can run out, what is the best length where he can actually play that shot, etc, etc. I mean, look, I think Pant is making trade-offs, right? He takes a lot more chances than the average top-order player, but he plays in the top six. Okay, so that's already like a... We are India play a very bowling on on the on the scale of whether your lineup is rich in batsmen and rich in bowlers. India's lineup is rich in bowlers, right? They are playing pure batsmen, one one batsman less, right? Now, even then, whatever trade-offs Pant is making, he's he scored like since the start of 2021, he scored like 700 plus runs at 36. You know, in the in these conditions, in this era for a number six, those are good returns. I'd say he knows what he's doing. You know, you know, you 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 can't because there's a logical fallacy, though, in saying that oh, he should he should take a risk, but he should choose the right ball to take a risk. How how does that work? You can always say it. Every time there's a failure, you can always say it. <laughs> no, but what does it mean? I mean, see, the, the, the analogy that I see is like an umpire, right? Like you can, you have these umpires who are not outers and you have these umpires who take a chance and say, yeah, that's a, a call, 50-50 call. But I think, I think I'll go, I'm leaning more towards giving it out. They give it out. Now, the not out umpires are often under less scrutiny. Okay, let me put it this way. The pre-DRS era, I mean, post-DRS, all Basically umpires saying are Dickie scrutiny. Bird has is, is got a much better reputation than a more aggressive umpire. Yeah, exactly. So, Nicky Bird would always be seen as like a good umpire, even though like, uh, you know, he was a not-outer compared to some other umpire who was more the, Steve you Buckner. know, happy to give the decisions. Yeah, Steve Buckner, for instance. Yeah, and Steve Buckner, 
you know, barring those final few years where you can cherry pick those instances was a phenomenal umpire for a large part of his career. And, you know, through the 90s and uh, yeah. 2000s, Sri Buckner was very, very, very good. Like he was like elite uh, level, uh, actual elite level. Yeah, but the point is that Rishabh Pant, when he's playing a bowler like Rabada, had the choice. Like, so here's what we fail to account for. We fail to account for the fact that a batsman is making a certain choice for a certain reason. And it is not like Rishabh Pant is not the not like he... I mean, I heard a lot of people saying it's an immature shot. He shouldn't have played it at that time. But the no, fact is that he my, my knew point what is, that time was. No, the, He the knew point, that at that time, he chose to play that shot. Sure, but yeah. how do you know that that is the right ball? Because you know it's a right ball or not only after the bowler has delivered it. And between no, no, the only delivery after and, the ball is hit. Or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, how do you know before the while the bowler is running up, this is going to be the right ball? You don't know. And secondly, the uh, I mean, you, you, I did a big mistake of uh, quote tweeting Karthike on this, which where he said that <laughs> you can't uh, appreciate it uh, when it comes off, when you abuse it, when it doesn't. So. I, I made a big mistake and there were like autos outside my house with people with knives and whatnot. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm not going to do that again. Uh, I'm going to never, say yes. Never quote tweet Karthikeya. Yeah, never. And, and yeah. I'm going to go the extreme other way and say, yeah, Pant must be dropped for the next uh, seven matches and fine of $10,000. Must be match. taught a lesson. That's yeah, he must be taught a lesson in humility and the patience. For instance, you can compare Pujara and Pant. Uh, you know, the point is not that that they, they are making the decisions of whether to attack or defend independent of their primary mm-hmm. skill. Like, it's not like Pant cannot choose to bat like Pujara. It's just that his success rate will drop. Like, uh, whatever KD pointed out, his numbers will not be the same if he plays like Pujara. That's because he doesn't have the game for it. And the same for the, the, the reverse for Pujara, that he doesn't have the game to play like Pant. The only point I'll make about Pant, particularly that type of a shot where he comes on the wicket and, and tries to smack the bowler over covers, the fast bowler over covers, is a bit like the, the Rohit uh, pull shot. Like his percentages have not been great. Like he, he's, I'm, I'm okay with him, like the way he plays the spinners, you know, like for instance, the way he played, uh, was it uh, English spinner? Uh, Leach, exactly. for instance, uh. Uh, in Chennai. He was going out every alternate ball and, and hit him for like eight sixes or something. That's fine. Like one day he's going to get out and then people are going to complain. That's that's a slightly different point about risk reward uh, thing. Whereas here, the the his percentages of coming down the wicket and trying to smack a fastball over covers have not been great. Like he's succeeded a couple of times, he's gotten out a couple of times, just for that particular shot, not as an approach. I'll I mean, what is how what is how would you compare that percentage to reverse sweeping Anderson in a test? That's also I low, mean, right? That's also a low percentage. No, but you know the the thing is that if you look at like the figures for since the start of 2020 in Sena again. I know we shouldn't, but I will anyway. Uh, yeah, you brought up Sena some four times today. Ban you Pujara, from Pujara is like uh, Pujara's average score, average innings per dismissal is 28 in 88 balls, right? Rishabh Pant's average innings is 28 in 47 balls. Right? So basically, what it means is that Pant is getting out almost twice as frequently as Pujara. Right? He's lasting 47 balls per dismissal outside Asia. And scoring the same is, thing while scoring the yeah, same. Yeah, he's scoring the same thing. But also, you know, it, it also means that uh, it doesn't just mean that. It means that the range of conditions in which Pujara can uh, survive is wider 
than the range of conditions in which one can survive. That that's what it means to have that to be able to survive 88 balls per distance. Firstly, Rishabh Pant is a wicketkeeper, and I think people forget that. You know, and and this is something where you know they measure the wicketkeeper batsman by the standards of the specialist batsman. You know, it's not Pant's fault that India are playing at a number six. You know, India know that they are playing a wicketkeeper batsman at number six. It's not like they expect Pant to produce runs at the level of a specialist batsman. So, I don't think India will, India will be too bothered about. what how pun plays they'll just let him be they'll just let him play however he wants but i think there's a little bit of press management going on uh, on the part of the indian management where they're saying oh they were they they probably noticed like this a big halabalu about you know oh pun played a bad shot so they're giving like a, they're throwing a bone in the press conference saying that oh well we talked this case actually is slightly different because i would say India actually getting some quick runs at that stage would have really helped them. So I can understand where Pant was coming from, but yes, the low percentages plus how early in the innings do you play that shot? Plus against who do you play that shot? I mean, Rabada who was like bowling extremely well at that stage. Do you want to take that chance against him, or do you want to you know try and take the better percentages against him? Those are the kind of no, choices. I will not question on that. See, the thing is against the bowler, which stage of your innings and all that, like that percentage worked in, in his favor, right? He's he's done that with other bowlers. He's taken on Cummins. He's taken on early in, in his innings against all bowlers. You can't question those percentages. That's retrospective sort of sense making. But just this one, the the going down the wicket and hitting over the covers, you got enough samples, and the samples are not too many. Like his success is not dependent on the shot at all. And if anything, it's kind of let him know. So it's a bit like the pull shot, hook shot of Rohit Sharma. You can look at it standalone and say his percentages are not great. But rest of the things are fairly complex, and you got to look at it as an aggregate. No, no, I, I'm just looking at it from point. <laughs> put yourself in the shoes of Pant, right? Like, okay, this has happened. What the what is the ways of what is the self correction here? Like. how do you like when you go out for the what is the thing that you are learning from this particular moment but you see that with all the players no i mean they they play some shot and then put the shot away and then you know they play some other shot you know all the players have like okay these are my scoring shots and these are my these are the lines and lengths which i will defend you know, like ricky ponting like uh, i think uh, there's a very famous uh, video you know the sky news uh, master class thing that they used to do Yeah. Like Ricky Ponting explained, like how he used to play, and and he said, well, you know, when I come forward, because he has this game where you know he, his first movement is to come forward, and he takes that step forward, and he says, I I have an area in mind in front of me on the pitch. If the ball lands anywhere over there, then I'm going to defend it. If it's not landing anywhere, if I don't think it's landing anywhere over there, then I'm going to play one of my attacking shots. You know that that's the the he he sort of he sort of spelling out how he sort of classifies deliveries when he's facing, right? And all the players do that, no, all the time. And he keeps. I mean, I think that's the other thing. No, he he's not just going to improve because of this one game. He's also going to improve because of the previous test match and the previous test match and the previous test match. He's constantly doing it. You know. So I don't think this this, this we have this idea that okay. There's a public uproar, and so now he will do something. That's not. I don't think it works like that. I mean, he's working on it all the time, no. Anyway, yeah. so uh, yeah, covered quite a few things. Uh, we have to finish this podcast now uh, for time purposes. Uh, thanks so much for joining, guys. Uh, lovely to chat about the test, and uh, yeah, it set up the series really well. 
one uh, one going into the third test. Uh, you know that's uh, promises to be really exciting. Uh, maybe Kohli comes back and a few maybe we have a couple of uh, one change or maybe a couple of changes. But uh, yeah, um, as usual, um, you know, uh, subscribe, uh, review, rate the podcast, spread the word. War minus the shooting. Uh, all the details in the notes. All the details in the website. Buy the book. Um, you know, rate it on Amazon. Review it on Amazon. Will really help. Um, and yeah, uh, we'll uh, join you at the end of the third test, and uh, hopefully, it turns out to be a cracking game. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. India at home. Lords goes wild.